come awake. I don't know where you are today, but I know that Jesus is here to meet you wherever you are. The Gospel of John chapter 21, the last chapter of that amazing gospel, gives us great insight into the hope of the resurrection. I hope for everyone here, regardless of where you've been or what you've done, amazing hope here and hereafter. The resurrection of Jesus is more than historical event. The resurrection is what compels us to be more than a fan of Christ. It calls us to be a follower of Christ. A fan is someone who has great appreciation or admiration for someone. I'm your fan. I appreciate your ability and your work and your accomplishments. I admire your character and that's a fan. We're probably... In this room, we're probably all fans today. But the question is, are we followers of Christ? There's a difference. I want to read this to you. It's the third time Jesus has appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. They're fishing. He walks on the shore, calls them out to them, and they're going to eat breakfast together. It's reminiscent of something happened in Matthew, somewhat the events of Matthew chapter 4. But here's what he said. When they'd eaten breakfast, verse 15, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I mean, these other disciples, all the guys around, do you love me more than these guys? Yes, Lord. He said to him, you know that I love you. Then I want you to feed my lambs. He told him, all right. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Then shepherd my sheep, he told him. Then he asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Jesus said, I I assure you, when you were young, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify what kind of death that he would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. Wake up. It is time we wake up from the... Stuff that's put us to sleep. From the struggles that have wore us out till we're so tired. From, From the sin that easily gets in our way of our relationship with God and others. It's time we wake up. It's time that those who've never tasted of the life that comes from Christ come awake and find and he is good. And gracious. And all you'll ever need you'll find in him. I want to tell you a story. About this disciple in, in the 21st chapter. We meet him in, in Matthew 4. Again he's a fisherman. By trade. This is how he paid his bills. And 
This man that seems to come out of nowhere, walks down the, uh, the shore, calls out to the guys that are fishing. And he says, men, I want you to follow me and I will help you become fishers of men. And these guys did an amazing thing. They left their nets, the Bible says, and they followed this man. They had just met him. But he compelled them with such power for who he was. And as they begin to sit at his feet and listen to him talk, they begin to learn things about the kingdom of God. And what it really meant to know God and to experience God and to, to watch God work as Jesus would go through and, and, and teach and share and heal and minister and forgive and deliver. They would watch the kingdom of heaven unfold right before them, before their very eyes. They would see this amazing work and power. They would wonder, you know, John the Baptist wonders, are you the one? He said you're the one, but he's in jail and things haven't gone well for him. He seems to be struggling. He, he he's to be a little bit struggling with doubt. And he wants to know, are you the one? And Jesus said, you go tell him that I preach to the poor. I, the blind see, the dead live. I'm the one. They would watch Jesus, especially this this. Peter. Peter would watch Jesus do incredible things. Peter was kind of one of the guys that got in the inner circle, the big three, that would spend a lot of time with Jesus, sometimes apart from the other disciples. And it was Peter who would watch him do incredible things and hear him say amazing things that would thrill his soul and challenge his spirit like nothing else. Wow. One day Jesus said, you know, guys, I'm going to have to go to the cross and and Peter got a little uh, irritated and said, no, you don't need to go to the cross. Because they understood, uh, like master, like servant. And if he goes across, we're going to go to the cross. And I don't want to go to the cross. So, no, you're not going to go to the cross. Upon which he was rebuked very strongly by his master. I'm sure that hurt his feelings that day. It would have hurt mine. Peter was always the one to speak perhaps too quick and maybe too often. Like some of us. Sometimes Peter didn't get really what Jesus was talking about. He would struggle with that servant thing. About washing feet and all that other th- stuff that he had watched. And then. And then. There's a time where the end is drawing nigh. The three years of ministry is about to end as they know it. Jesus is trying to prepare them, and he says, Now, guys, you know, there's, the, the end's coming, and it's going to be a very traumatic, very terrifying. And you guys are going to run and hide. And again, it's Peter who says, Hey, these other guys may do that, but not me. I'm your man. I'm the one you can count on through thick and thin. I'm going to be there through good, bad, indifferent. I'm going to be there. I will never deny you. You can count on me. As he said with a lot of pride. I'm sure the other disciples were somewhat offended that he had said, spoke so lowly of them and so highly of himself. And, and then Jesus said, Peter, 
you're going to deny me three times. But I'm praying for you. I know Satan's desired to have you. But I'm praying for you. And you're going to be all right. Now, I can imagine Peter was again offended by what Jesus said. I can't believe you said that to me in front of these guys. Well, who do you, what do you, I just told you I wouldn't do that. And yet, the Last Supper takes place. The prayer in the garden. The coming of the Roman soldiers. And again, as Peter in his anger decides that he can take a sword and do a lot of good and ends up doing nothing but complicating things. Cuts a soldier's ear off and Jesus has to put it back on and heal it. He said, listen, that's not why I've come. Peter just didn't quite get it. Sometimes like the rest of us. He follows from afar off to watch the events would fall of the mock trial that would get taking place. And he was just warming himself by the fire. And a little slave girl comes up and said, hey, weren't you? Weren't you that guy they just carried off? Aren't you part of those troublemakers? And he says, no, you must be mistaken. It's not me. I don't know the man. You sure talk like he talks. You sound very familiar. I, I, think, I think you're with him. I, I believe I've seen you. No, I, I don't know the man. Oh, I don't know. I, I, think, I, think, you're, I think you're one of his followers. I, I think you've been with him. I've seen you time and time again. He began to curse, say, I do not know the man. And then a rooster crows, and he realized what Jesus had told him had come true. Peter had been a man of pride and anger and now fear. Kind of like the rest of us from time to time. And then his master's crucified. He's laid in a borrowed tomb. And the men have come to the conclusion that it's over. And now fear has given way to doubt. And none of it really mattered. And let's just go back to fishing. Because that's what we know. That's what we do best. We're fishermen. So let's go fish. You know, I often wonder what Peter thought as he realized He never saw his master again after that fearful night at the fire where denied him. Never saw him again. Never got to speak to him. We know he was remorseful and sorry for what he had done, but he's thinking, you know, he'll never know that I really did it now. It doesn't matter. He gets word that Jesus is alive. And like the clip said, at first the disciples thought the women were crazy. Because they had no real stature among culture in that day to believe them. But Jesus showed himself to be alive. He appeared to the disciples three times. Amazing evidence of the resurrection. And now we come to John 21. Where... Jesus says, guys, let's eat breakfast. And he says to Peter, 
Do you agape me? Do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, I phileo you. I love you. Both are terms of endearment and affection. Then I want you to feed my lambs. Peter's going, okay, what as bad as I thought it'd be. Maybe this is going to end pretty good. Peter, do you agape me? Lord, I phileo you. Two different Greek terms of the word love. Both affectionate. Both real. Then shepherd my sheep. Peter perhaps was a little uncomfortable. And then finally the third time Jesus said, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you love me? Peter said, and he was somewhat now, as you look at this, he was grieved. He was grieved. Because now Jesus has gotten where he lives. And he's saying to Peter, I want you to come awake to me. Peter's time you wake up. Peter said, you know everything. You know what Peter now has got run through his mind? He is, I have been so busted. He knows what I did. He knows what I did. He knows about that night at the fire. He knows about that slave girl that talked to me and asked me. He knows that I denied him and I denied him and I denied him. He knows. He knows. He said, Lord, I phileo you. He said, well, Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to know when you get older, you're going to have to go to a place you didn't want to go. You've already told me you didn't want to go there back, back when we had that conversation previously about the cross. But I'm telling you, you're going to go to the cross. You're not going to want to. But they'll stretch your arms out and you're going to die. And this is how you're going to glorify me. This is how you're going to demonstrate resurrection power. And then Peter still (laughs) says, I just got one question. What about John? He's a lot like us, isn't he? We worry about so much we're not supposed to worry about. We're concerned about things that shouldn't concern us. And we watch other people way too much. He said, what about John? Peter, don't worry about John. Here's what he says. If I want him to remain until I come, Jesus answered, what is that to you? You, and it's implied here as for you, follow me. Peter, I do not want you to be a fan of me. I want you to be a follower of me. 
I don't want you to appreciate the things I've done or admire what I've done. I, I want you to surrender your life to me and follow me wherever I lead, even if it's to a crucifixion. There's just two things I want you to note. They're in your notes. I have two things I want you to write down. The hope of the resurrection is this. That we would wake up to your real life purpose. The real life purpose, why you are really here. You say, well, I know I'm here to, you know, to kind of live life, learn how to do things. I, I'm here to get an education. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get a degree. I'll get a job. I'll, I'll find a spouse. I'll, I'll, I'll have a family. I'll... All those are good things, but that's not the sole purpose of why you're here. The real purpose for why you're here is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, what was so beautiful about John 21 is that Jesus came, and before he ever said, Peter, here's what I want you to do. He said, Peter, here's what I want you to be. I want you to be in love with me. Because if you're not in love with me, it doesn't matter what else you're supposed to do with your life. If you don't love me, you won't be able to feed my lambs. If you don't love me, you won't be able to shepherd my sheep. If you don't love me, you won't be able to feed my sheep. If you don't love me, you really can't serve me. Because the real purpose of life is to know me and love me. That's it. The reality of the resurrection comes to realize that Jesus died for our sins, rose to the grave by the power of God, the Holy Spirit himself, and now the purpose is to know him. And our, our, our purpose is to be more than a fan. We're to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The personal relationship is essential. It needs to be a passionate relationship. And then the purpose comes. If I will love him, if I will be his follower... If I will be his follower, that's the purpose. That I would live for him. And if need be, die for him. Suffer for him. Struggle because of him. Because of the resurrection. Oh, that's okay. Because here's what I know about all the troubles and trials of life. They're just temporary. They're temporary. But eternity is forever. And the real purpose of life is to know Christ, love Christ, and then serve Christ. That's it. It's not any more complicated than that. We have made it way too religious and way too complicated with a lot of stuff that really doesn't matter. What matters is that Jesus hung on a cross to pay for my sin. He arose from the grave to validate his sacrifice. And the good news is because he lives, I will live. And because he overcame death, I will overcome death. And it doesn't matter. And over years, I've looked at so many caskets. I've looked at so many people. And I realize those who have the hope of the resurrection will live again. And nothing will stop that. Whether it was a heart attack or cancer or, or AIDS, oh, it doesn't matter what it might be. If they've known Christ, they win because love wins out. That's the hope of the resurrection. And because of that, 
I simply say to you, you wake up to his resurrection power. Because here's the rest of the story. You have that real life purpose, then you must have his resurrection power. He says those closing words, I want you to follow me. John remembers the account as he shares. The Holy Spirit reminds him of what to say. And now the Gospels close out. But in one of those appearances in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, guys, I want you to be my witnesses. Here's what he says in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The purpose we have is to be his witnesses to his resurrection power, to his crucifixion, and to his coming again. We are to keep telling the story as the choir sang so wonderfully just a few moments ago. It's not a book of myths. It's a book of life. It's not a book of fairy tales. It is a book of truth that prepares you for eternity. And it is not a book of practical wisdom, although it contains that. It is a book that is so powerful, it'll break through the lies and the deceptions of the darkness and set you free. It'll start you on the right path. It'll carry you through the troubled times. It'll be, the, the book talks about the patience of God and the, and the long-suffering of God and the forgiveness of God. And so we find here's what he talks about when it's all said and done. I want to give you a power. And Peter waits for this power. The reality of the resurrection is and the Holy Spirit has come to live in me and live in you as it lived in Peter. And as while Peter, who had been so struggling with his pride and his fear and his anger and his doubt and his frustration and his weakness was ever before him. Even comparison. And finally, he's come to understand he's a follower of Christ. And on that first sermon after Pentecost, they're saying, you guys are drunk. And it's too early today to be drunk. And you know the one who stands up out of all the disciples? Peter stands up, it says. Peter stood up, stood out, got in front. And raised his voice so that everyone could hear. It wasn't a quiet testimony. It wasn't a maybe nobody will hear me testimony. It was, I want everybody to hear what I got to say. And there were thousands. I don't know how. I mean, he must have turned it up. Sure enough. I want to tell you the story of Jesus before the foundations of the world. God, the Father, God, the Son, God had a plan that he would come. He would do signs and wonders. He would be handed over to the religious leaders of his day. He would be condemned to death. He would die on a cross. But he would not stay in the tomb. Unlike all those before him, he arose from the grave. And the hope of the resurrection is that I can have a real purpose in life and a resurrection power to accomplish that purpose. And the hope is that where we've all sinned and we've all been stupid and we've all struggled, the hope of the resurrection is 
I just want you to be a follower of me. If I were Jesus, I would have never picked Peter to preach the first sermon after Pentecost. I wouldn't. But thankfully, I'm not Jesus. Because I wouldn't have picked me to do anything. The resurrection is about the hope of having a new creation in Christ and being saved from your sin. That personal relationship. The second thing is a passionate relationship of being a follower of Christ. That he can restore the fallen, repair the broken, renew the tired, and reestablish ministry. I don't know where you are today, but wherever you are, our resurrected Lord is ready to meet you right where you are. People tell me all the time, you know why I will not give my life to Christ, why I can't be a Christian? They say, no, tell me why. Well, you know, I just can't live it. I can't be that perfect person. I can't make it happen. I, I can't do all I'm supposed to do, so therefore I won't even try. Then I want to tell you again about a guy named Peter who did more things wrong than right. And yet, Jesus said to him, Peter, you're the kind of person I can use. If you'll follow me, I can lead you to feed my sheep, shepherd my sheep, feed my lambs. I can use you to establish the preaching of the kingdom in Jerusalem. I can use you to make a difference. I can use you to touch lives that no one else can touch. And when it's all said and done, when you want to know what people thought about Peter, here's what contemporaries said. This man is unlearned and ignorant. But when he preaches, the town is turned upside down. We don't understand it. That's the power of the resurrection. We don't have to understand how God works in life. We just need to know that he does.